evening, everyone. We're bored, so we started a podcast. That's the story of my life. Um, we're here tonight about ramifications, um, and I, you know, I have a personal anecdote to share about this. Um, and um, so we're going to get started. I'm going to put Julie on the air, and um, uh, we're just going to get going to get on there, right? Right. 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 Okay. We're going to do a thing. Okay. So here's our thing. So when I started um, Ties That Bind, uh, one of the things that I was really concerned with was um, the theme of consent, which I was determined to weave throughout the entire thing. And one of the issues that I often encounter in BDSM Fix is the collar. And the the notion that it's permanent, and also the notion that it can only be removed by the dominant. And I thought, how can I bring it to the front of my reader's attention that in this world, that a collar is a privilege for both a dom and a sub, and that privilege can be removed from either direction. And so one of the first things you learn about Rodney is that he divorced his wife and he started that process by cutting off his own collar in public. Which is very powerful statement. Right. It's a very powerful, and I I was like, okay, I'm going to put this out here because it says a lot about Rodney's character and it says a lot about the world that this is something that he can do and it can't he can do it. You know, there is no, I mean, yes, it's kind of taboo. It's a really shocking thing to do, but he did it and he didn't face any ramifications for doing so beyond the terrible divorce, which would have happened anyway. And as the story progressed, I talked a lot about um, collars and how that worked and um, the, the, the trauma of having your color cut off against your will that happens to Sean in the background and you hear about it. Um, Chase also talks about having his collar cut off by his own dom instead of unlocked, um, and and uh, how that was um, traumatizing for him. And then uh, at one point, I introduce you to the master key, um, and that John has been entrusted with one due to his command situation on Atlantis. And so you learn that there's an official channel that a sub can go through in the military to get rid of their collar, that they can go to their commanding officer, and their commanding officer will take it off of them um, in an official capacity, which is something that, yes, that Jack O'Neill could have done for McKay if McKay had asked. So in doing this, it was about uh, creating um, – a theme throughout the entire story. And then I kind of threw a wrench in the works by introducing the permanent collar that Tear wore, Tear wears. And it was like, it was about uh, creating um, dynamic circumstances and uh, showing what the collar was on Satita versus what the collar was, um, is on Earth and about a different circumstance, and about how the collar that Ronan gave Tyr isn't a symbol of ownership. It's a symbol of um, 
his commitment to take care of Tyr for the rest of his life. Even if Tyr says, no, the sex part is done, you go stand over there, I'm going to go somewhere else, I'm going to do something else, I'm going to have somebody else, Ronan is responsible for Tyr because he gave him that permanent collar. And so it was about, and this is a this is something that I went into the fic thinking about. And so making a choice like, like early on in the fic, every time you make a decision um, in your plot, that theme will come back to you. And what I notice a lot is that sometimes I'll see an author make a decision really early on in their story, and they don't consider the ramifications and consequences of that decision and um, how it's going to impact their characters and how it could potentially impact society mm-hmm. that they're building. So we're gonna, that's what we're going to talk about. And that's what I wanted to kind of um, give you an example that was concrete that a lot of you have um, would be familiar with and would understand. So there we go. <clears throat> and we see, to, to kind of give, and I think I can give an, this is an example specifically, because it's a widespread issue that we've all expressed we have an issue with before. Um, I, if you look at the ABO trope um, and how it developed, it's like there are other ways that could have been done that didn't have the consent issues so baked in. But it sort of, it's, I guess, I, mean, I haven't read the original stories. I don't know how that mindless heat thing um, got so entrenched into the trope, but it was like people cannot cannot not do that. And like sometimes even people are trying to build more consent into it, it's sort of like withdrawing consent is still absent. So right, that's the problem I have. Right. So, yeah. So it's like you know they they try to build in you know structure where you know. Consent is obtained ahead of time, and da 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 da, and that's great. That's better, but they still leave the mindlessness in there, where the consent basically can't be withdrawn. Um, it's something that's difficult to. You kind of have to rebuild, rebuild the idea, take the pieces you like, and rebuild the idea, thinking thinking about it from the ground up, and and considering what the ramifications are of every decision you make when you world build, especially with something as fundamental as consent. Um, and any kind of time you kind of get into certain tropes tend to have ugly ramifications potentially associated with them. Um, certain genres or tropes, um, Sentinel and Guide can, we saw that, hugely in the Sentinel fandom itself. Um, but you see it in, you know, spinoff works all the time that people don't consider the ramifications of their world building, soulmate tropes, ABO, anything, that, anything where there's a bond or a biological imperative can um, wind up with ugly consequences attached to it that I can almost tell when I'm reading it that the author isn't thinking about the ugly, you know, if you if you take this to its logical conclusion, um, it's really it's really ugly. 
So I was reading a story once where it was presented as a good thing, but I was horrified because it was like being a submissive was biological as opposed to um, like you couldn't help it. And like there was like a, like a, like a biological, like a gland that like on the neck or something, a dom could press and force them into subspace. Um, I know. Right. And it was presented as, as being sexy. I was horrified because you know that that would be abused and realistically submissives who weren't in, who didn't want to be, you know, um, treated that way uh, would like be building submissive only, you know, enclaves and doms would be shot approaching the gates because that is such a risk, right? Is you've got this thing on your body that somebody can touch and force you into a compliant state. And there would be like <laughs> car, there would be like hard collars you could wear to prevent anybody from touching it. Mm-hmm. And neck touching it would was, be it, taboo. It, but it was presented like, you know, people just didn't touch it and that, you know, that it was a good thing. And I'm like, no, 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 that's just, it, it, that is such an extremely optimistic view of humanity that I don't even know what to do with it. Um, because even if you, you're writing a character in that world who lives in some kind of utopian country where, you know, submissive rights are really upheld, you've got to figure there's a lot of countries that don't do that. So there's a lot of ugliness in, inherent in that world. And I've seen this in more than one story, so I'm not trying to poke at any, any one author, but it's just such a, and you, you, I can tell because of the positive tone that was put on this, that the author wasn't thinking about the really ugly ramifications of this. And, um, but the thing is, even in a positive aspect, that's kind of ugly. Like you're in a scene and your dom decides when you go into subspace by touching your neck. That's just gross. I'm sorry. It really freaks me it's out. It's a cheat. It's a cheat because he's not working for it. Yeah. In a world like that, you don't even need a dom. Yeah, you just submissives can make each other happy. You do it to yourself. I mean, well, you be sitting there, you know, rubbing your neck. <laughs> a really weird form of masturbation, but there you go. Um, I want to. You wouldn't have. Submissives would never need drugs. They would just reach in and touch their own neck. Um, so it, it's kind of. Um, it's just really important to think through when. When an author, when you're real, when you're world building, not not your characters, because sometimes people don't don't think about the implications to the world beyond what their characters are doing. So it's not just about you know the, the dom, the sub, or the sentinel, and the guide, or um, the soulmates. It, it's not just about those two people. When you when you build in something that seems interesting between them to facilitate their dynamic, you're implicitly world building. And that has consequences, and you have to think it through. You have to think through what those consequences are. You have to think through Otherwise, things Otherwise, you inadvertently create a situation a, where you've... Planetary rape. I mean, pl- planet-wide rape is what you've got. Um, 
And you create a class system. Yeah, classism, racism. I mean, you you start baking these things into your world building, and, and I know that's not what people intend, but and yet it's there. Now, you can't account for what your reader will assume. True. Um, but you can follow the logical consequences of your own decisions. Now, your reader is always going to assume shit you would never in a million years have meant to imply or infer or suggest or even, like, outright say. (laughs) They're going to think things that are absolutely 100% not true, Um, and you can't control that. But you can control... um, You can know what the ramifications of your plot choices are and your world-building choices are if you follow a logical consequence. And sometimes maybe something isn't adequately explained and a reader inferred the wrong thing, but sometimes things are really explicit. When you give somebody a biological switch that anybody can press and control them with, um, you don't have to do anything bad with it in your story. But it's implicit that there's ugliness there. Somebody is doing bad things with that. Um, And I don't know why anybody would want to be a submissive in in that kind of world, honestly. But that is me inferring as a reader. I don't know why anybody would want to be a submissive in that world. What is not an inference is that you've... you've, um, given an easy route for somebody to be controlled against their will. That's that's baked into the world. If you do it, and we're not saying you can't do something like this, but I think it's important if you do something like that, that you do address the potential consequences of somebody having such a huge vulnerability. Ignoring it is disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. Pretending like it's not happening, or that it—it it, no, it's not happening in my world. Well, your world has violence. Otherwise, why doesn't it have this, right? So, unless your world really is like some alien utopia where people don't violate each other's space and consent like that, or to do so is a high crime that you're mer- executed for. If, if you're basing it on Earth and there's other kinds of violent crime and rape going on, it's just naive to assume that people aren't taking advantage, or to even outright say, you know. People don't because you can't say it's taboo because people cross taboos all the time. They, people don't care about taboos. They they do what they want. Oh, people care a lot about ta- about taboos. They care a lot about violating them. <laughs> there you go. That's, as as that's much as thing. possible. <laughs> um, I had a reader once get bent with me because there's a scene in Ties That Bind where John is talking to Ronan and Ronan talks about. A cost, uh, something that happens on his world um, that uh, that um, submissives are often dominated through rape, and John, and that's not the part she had a problem with. He, she, I don't know. Um, but John's response was that on Earth, um, rapists were executed. That it was a capital offense to rape. Yes. 
she said that she didn't think it was realistic. I said, this is a world based on consent. It is 100% realistic. Um, and, you know, and I told her, I said, you know, that frankly, there, there's no worse crime than rape. And she said, murder is worse. I said, no, it's not. Murder is not worse. Murder is worse for the people who are left behind, but not for the victim. Murder is final. It, you're done. But rape is a crime that lives with you the rest of your life. It's worse. And I think it should be executable. <laughs> I think that it should be a capital offense. And so I put it in ties at Vine, and she found that very offensive. She found, and I'm like, what, do you have an uncle in jail for rape or something? <laughs> I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. But you thought it. Saying, well, and the, I thought her saying it. Not, her, her saying it's not realistic to me is bizarre, since there are countries that where rape is a capital crime already. Right. It's not right. widespread, but it exists. So if there are, if that's already a concept, if there are already countries in reality that view rape as a executable offense um why why, i don't understand what her her disconnect is she just didn't like my world building i don't know i don't know um maybe she likes rape fix i don't i I don't know i mean you know some people have kinks in in if you even offhand criticize them in your fic that you're a monster you know yeah i had you know i'll just go ahead and talk about the in the in emergence, I had I've gotten I've had a lot of bitching at me about the consent, what people perceive as the consent issues in in that story, and um, I'll own that there was an element of me adapting the ABO stuff and trying to pull the consent issues out, and I could have gone further with pulling it out. Um, but I thought I made it clear in the story, especially since there was um, an Omega who refused to give in to a bond for, like, more than, I don't remember exactly how long, it was like 15 years or something like that, even though someone was trying to compel it. And the, I discussed explicitly the times that it happens when and when Omega doesn't want to pursue a bond and how that goes. So I And, and there's no heat involved, so I... I felt like I did a pretty good job of addressing that most don't most wish to pursue a bond, but they don't have to. Um, so I didn't feel like that there was any consent problems that I hadn't explicitly addressed in the story, um, and yet I think I could have gone gone further um, with rebuilding the ABO concept, but. I still didn't feel like in that story I didn't feel like that there were was a widespread systemic consent issue, and yet I got that feedback repeatedly. Um, now, including RT, which is why I had to have Lady Holder read her story because <laughs> there were comments coming in, and I'm like, "Well, I can't read that. I don't know what's going on over there." And so Lady Holder fell on her um, sword for me, um, and. Um, read it and come back and said, well, I don't think it's really a problem, but we'll ask her to put a warning on it just in case. <laughs> yeah. um, Cause I put ABO, I think in, 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 in as, a, as a genre or something. Anyway. And then I added, 
I added a non-warning. There's no rape in the story, but but it's just you know, it, and, and I I can totally understand that with ABO stories, it's a hot button for people. It's like, is are there going to be consent issues in the story? But um, but people were still a little bit um, bent with me about the the bonding drive. But the funny thing is, those same people don't have an issue when I put like a mating drive, a bonding drive into a Sentinel Guide story, um, right? And I get it's because right? people are touchy. I get I get that they're touchy about the ABO trope, um, but I didn't really handle it any differently than I would a Sentinel story. So they were, I felt like they were at any of the points that they brought up, I was able to speak to how they were misinterpreting the story, and that's a case of where I can't control what readers see. But I could talk to their misunderstanding of my world building. Um, I think that's the important, that's really important is that you be able to talk to through, you you know, the obvious repercussions of what you're doing. So, you know, I think that there's some people, if I, you know, if you, if I, you know, if we had a conversation and they invited that conversation and and I pushed them on, or do you understand the consequences of what you've done here? Um, I'm pretty sure the answer would be no, because I, I really don't think that they have thought it through. And that, that tends to be my go-to assumption when I see something that has ugly implications in a story is that they haven't thought through the consequences. And it is a big flaw, especially in fan, with fan fiction writers, is that I think with, you know, published writers and stuff, that editors and, and um, con, you know, I mean, acquisition editors and stuff are, are, are rejecting stories that have those kinds of um, issues before they get to publication. But um, I, I, I think that's, and, and, and that's me assuming they haven't thought it through is me giving them the benefit of the doubt because I would want to stay away from some of these people <laughs> as far away from them on the internet as I can if they are, if they did that on purpose. <laughs> if they yeah, did like that, there's, you know. We don't want to look in your basement, dude. But we're going to call the cops just in case. <laughs> case. Yeah, I mean, somebody mentioned in the chat room that read many ABOs. Well, it's, it, it's because it's really hard to find ones that aren't big. Even Even when somebody tags it and says there aren't any consent issues here, you start reading it and you scratch your head and go, well, that's a consent issue. Five paragraphs. I know that's consent. That's a real consent problem right there. <laughs> um, so, also, even with, you know, I read one story where, um, like, you had to be registered if you were unbonded and unbonded Omega so that, you know, they could be sure that you were locked up. And, like, they had these Omegas, like, beating the walls and begging to be let out during their heats and the heats would go on for day. I mean, okay. So yeah, they took the consent issues out, but they made it so ugly government registrations and being locked up and the agony these people were going through that I just kind of, I felt like like I kind of wanted to vomit. It did. It sounded exactly like torture, which would then make it that I would think that any Omega would be desperate not to go through that and would want to be bonded, even if they don't want to be bonded just so they don't have to go through that horror. So, um, Which makes that whole concept a, um, a punishment for not being bonded. Right. And so it, that's, 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 again, again, this is the thinking it through. 
you know, did the person who thought of the ABO trope the first time who wrote that in realize what a fucking consent, you know, lack of consent fest they were doing? Probably not. They probably didn't think that through. And then people latched onto the trope and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And people recognized the consent issues and they tried to fix it and they turned it into institutionalized torture instead <laughs> because they're not thinking through what they're doing. The last thing I would want to do is actually author a trope. It'd be terrible. If people took it the wrong way and just did ooky things with it, it'd be terrible. Shut up, Lady Holder. <laughs> Go stand in the corner. <laughs> you get your own corner. Az's corner's too entertaining. You know, um, when I when I actually um, and she's talking about, she says in the chat room that I that I had that I had created a trope. I mean, she's talking about the revenant concept, and um, so far as far as I know, only one person has written a revenant fic. Um, and I don't care if people use my ideas, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that um, I recognize how how the revenant concept could be abused and I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had this really, really amazing, beautiful idea about eternal spirits and I don't want to see anybody corrupt it and make it ugly. Um, moreover, and, I mean, and that's one of the things it still bothers the shit out of me that people thought that it wasn't mine. <laughs> It, it, it does. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get over that for a while. You're just kind of just, it's going to be one of those things. It's like that whole Sentinel fandom thing. It's going to come up eventually in a conversation. If we talk long enough, I'm going to mention it. They were mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when something passes from idea to like, because, you know, like if somebody's borrowing an idea or doing something with a similar idea, they're kind of typically trying to stay within the boundaries that the per- original person created. Um, but when something kind of morphs into a trope, which could happen, it's like people start morphing it and doing things with it. And um, That's the point of a trope. Right. And it, it starts to become more of a foundational idea rather than um, like a plot concept. And, so in that in that and you got to look at tropes like some tropes just have evolved in really ooky ways. So um, now I think now the funny thing, the interesting thing is I think that the Sentinel fandom basically tried to make Sentinel Guide bonding and Sentinels and Guides are known universe. They they did a really good try at making that ugly. <laughs> um, yeah, they did, but it. But it was like fandom actually tried to clean up the trope. The Sentinels and Guides are known trope and do something a little bit better with it. Um, and, and, and it resulted in, in a trope that we like so much that we do challenge around it. We've done three, three, three LBDs now, I think. 
Um, um, I will have to look. <laughs> I think it's three. Let me go. I think we did it two years Let's in a row. Then database. we did the episode challenge, and then we did then we did it again this year. But when you think about it, and I'm not necessarily mean recently, but when I say recently, I mean over the last year, year and a half, I'm starting to read more Sentinel and Guide stories that are reverting to the ugliness that I was avoiding in the Sentinel fandom. Forced bonds, um, classism, um, something that comes close to slavery, that kind of thing. The kind of ugly things in the trope that I'm not, that I don't want to read. So uh, tropes can kind of, uh, trends can kind of ebb and flow. Um, And if you read a lot of a trope that kind of has like, problems in it as a as if you're a writer and you're reading you become desensitized i think to the issues in it and then yeah, you're I agree. writing it then you then you yourself are writing it and not noticing that you're you're outside of anything that you would normally write Cause i i've seen writers i would never write you know like really big consent issues and all of a sudden there's consent issues in a story they've written and i'm like what if you, and i want to ask what have you been reading what has corrupted you? <laughs> I'm just um, we did do three little progress challenges, 2015, 2016, and then this year. So this is our third one. And, it, it, you know, for them, and I would say that, you know, rough trade probably is single-handedly keeping the Sentinels and Guides are known trope big because people read rough trade authors stories and then they go off and do, and they're like, then they're like, Oh, I want I want more Sentinel guide stories. They go off and do their own. And sometimes they go, Oh, I, I need more consent issues in my Sentinel and guide stories. I don't, I don't get it, but that seems to be their re- reaction. Um, well, in 2015, we had two short stories and 53 participants. So that's a hundred ideas that 108, 106 ideas that went out in, uh, wow. In July of 2016, we had 71 participants and three 10K stories. And a lot of people completed their work that year. So, um, 200 and, no, help me out. 203? Yeah, 203 yeah. stories. No, two, 213. Um, 213. Ideas. Ideas. Um, and then this year we did uh, the 220K and we had 76 participants. So that's a lot of ideas going out with the Sentinel Fusion um, over the past three or four years that, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, even, any, even any fandom, especially a single trope. And if you, if you take out, you know, even if you discount the people who didn't finish, that's still a lot. Of stories that are Sentinel and Guide that are out there now, um, in in welcome, a huge, fandom. yeah, in a huge yeah. breadth of fandom, in a huge in a huge breadth, you know, huge cross section of fandoms out there have had infusions of Sentinel Guide stories. And people who aren't familiar with Rough Trade, writers who aren't familiar with Rough Trade, they're reading and they're going, "Oh, I like the Sentinel Guide trope. I want to do it, but I want it to be rapey, <laughs> right? Oh, I totally obliterate all the consent." And so it's like they're swinging it back towards, 
where some of the origins of that. And, you know, I would encourage anybody to, you know, keep swinging it back to the light side. <laughs> you do you, but really, you know, it, it's our, it's our, it's our little black dress. We don't want to get it, you know, we don't want mustard stains on it. <laughs> said before and i'll say it again i don't read rape fix and every time i say it i get somebody in my email saying oh well you know uh read this one because it's really good and there's a lot of recovery and a lot of hurt no and fuck you the next person who sends me a rape fix link in my email i'm going to cuss out in public um i do not read them um i do not write them stop asking me to write them um and i don't care who is in the fic the pairing is irrelevant I especially find the worst thing I ever got is somebody sent me a link for a story where somebody uses rape as a revenge tool against a character that I don't like because they thought I would enjoy that. Ew. No, and fuck you. I did not enjoy that. I did not click on it. Although I do appreciate you giving me a fucking summary before I did. Anyways, worse there is, is that when people like fandom. Yes, uh, what worse people suggest plot bunny ideas to you, like potion abuse, like you know, Harry using potions to get Hermione or something. And it's like, why would you suggest rape to fix to her for her to write? Really? There was that one uh, person in um, there's this group on Facebook that um, is, is where you where you drop off your bunnies that you don't intend to write. And others can adopt them. Um, and this person put up in, and the moderator wasn't around. It was it was the time. I'm, I, I keep weird hours, so um, I'm going to backseat mod your shit if you're not around, and I am. Bunny, where Darcy used magic to sleep with Thor and ruin his relationship with Jane because Darcy wanted him. It was a bunny. And I said, I commented and told her that she should put a rape warning at the top of her bunny. And she said, this isn't rape. I said, if one character uses magic and or any other, other kind of chemical or whatever to make another person have sex with them, that is rape. Then I screenshotted the whole thing and sent it to the owner of the group because, like I said, the owner was asleep and I was not. And the person deleted the whole thing. I didn't want the person to come and tell the moderator that I was being an asshole to her, so I got proof. <laughs> <laughs> of what actually happened. Um, but I was like, are you serious? Do you not? But then, I, it, then, it, then it crossed my mind that there are plenty of people who actually don't fully understand consent, male and female alike. Yes, I have had women say flat out to me that because it's happening to a man, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's so infuriating. <sighs> I was like, what? No. person who is curious as to what fic that I had been sent, um, the revenge fic, um, it was Snape. was the victim. Uh, 
it, and I can't even tell you the perpetrator. At any rate, I did not. And I actually, um, that person can no longer send me emails. <laughs> well, they send me emails. It goes directly into my trash and gets deleted. Because I was 100% done. I don't know how anybody uh, can I would... read my stuff and listen to my podcast because it did come from a podcast. I talked about it in a po- I talked about, you know, the topic in podcast. This person who listens to my podcast, you actually believe I'd be interested in reading that. And I'm thinking to myself, do you not even pay attention to me? Anyways, I don't mean to harp on that. Um, but um, it, that isn't even on topic. And it is completely, I mean, when someone writes an outright rape fic, they understand the ramifications of their choices. Yes. Yes. Now, I, I mean, I read, every once in a while, I read a story that has, like, a rape warning on it. You know, it's like, and it'll be like, it'll be in the tags, like, past rape or something like that. And if it sounds interesting, or if I know the author, I, not the rape, but the story, um, sometimes I'll give it a go, and sometimes I get freaked out and I back out. But every once in a while, it is something that is in the past, and I appreciate them warning for a character talking about a past event, um, and they're not dwelling on it, and it's fine. Um, I read a story. I don't think it's. I, I don't think I. I think I stopped reading it not because of not because of the rape issue. It was because um, it seemed like it was abandoned. I think, and I was stopping it where there was something where it was at a good place rather than I don't know. Somebody recommended stop reading at this chapter. Anyway, it was where. Um, The event itself, there was sort of an element of recovery of it, but a character was was drugged in the past, um, and they they never reported because they were in law enforcement. They never reported that that they were drugged and that they woke up in a hotel room, no no recollection of what had happened. And their assumption was that sex had happened, even though they couldn't recall anything. Roofied, you know, basically. But the way it comes out is because they have a child. They find out that there's a child out there that's theirs that was conceived on purpose in this event. Um, I read that story. Um, It didn't dwell too much on the event. Um, But it was still, for me, kind of dicey. And I wouldn't want people recommending those kinds of stories to me because I just want to have those conversations with people. Um, You know, if I... It's sort of like one of those things, like you make a choice if you're going to try to walk down that path, you're going to go that path someplace you're feeling comfortable on your own. And, you know, I don't like being prodded into reading stories that have content I don't usually read. So I don't like being prodded to read anything. Yeah, there's that too. I especially don't like to be asked to read somebody's work that's already published um, by the author themselves. Because then I'm like, what if I don't want to read it? And then I feel awkward. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, I'm not reading this fandom right now, or what, whatever the reason. Sometimes you just don't want to read it. Um, I don't actually I know that really... fandom. I never watched that. Uh, you know. I, there was that asshole that kept sending me Farscape fix after I told him, after I tell him the podcast that I didn't write Farscape because I consider Farscape perfect and it doesn't need fan fiction. <laughs> And so they kept sending me links to things that they thought was really great. And I'm like, I don't read it. I don't want it. Farscape is perfect. Stop fucking with my headcanon. Leave it alone. <laughs> well, I have I have somebody that keeps sending me links 
Um, and I don't want to flat, flat out say, I've asked them, please, you know, I, I, I will read stories in this fandom. You know, I'm not oblivious to what's going on in this fandom, but they keep sending me links to works this author has published. And it's an author, I cannot stand their writing style. I can't stand it. And, it, and it's just, I don't feel comfortable saying that, right? Because the last time I fessed up to the fact that the reason I wasn't reading something was because the author's style wasn't my jam. It was a close friend of the author. So I thought I'd gotten ambushed. So, you know, I can't know if I had come right out. I get, I do get wrecked quite a lot. So that's, there's really no clue in here about which, which author it is that I don't like. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, I, don't I have an author like, that I, I can't stand um, that gets wrecked to me every once in a while. And um, I just, I can't. No, and I don't care how popular they are, and they, I don't care if they're the most popular author in their fandom. I don't like their writing style. It doesn't work for me. Um, we've talked before about how uh, people have they have different, you know, lots of introspection stories that focus on introspection or that have too many points of view or whatever. Um, there's there's some there's some else styles that some people like that I don't happen to. So if an author is heavily into styles that don't appeal to me then I just don't read anything of theirs I don't care if they're the most beloved BNF in their fandom and it's just I can't get people to stop wrecking it it's like oh you gotta read this you gotta read this no I don't please stop (laughs) What what it comes down to is they want you to love the same things they do to provide them validation. Um, and it's not your job to validate anybody's reading choices any more than it is mine. Um, and right now there's somebody out there saying, well, how dare you say you don't like somebody's style? Not everybody likes yours. I am aware of that. I don't expect everybody to enjoy um, my voice as a writer. Um, that would be weird if it was true. Uh, and I would never in a million years assume such a thing. I do have a very, um, I have a style and not everybody likes it. And that's perfectly okay. And that's perfectly fine. And it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Um, I don't expect everybody to like my work. I do expect most people on Rough Trade to read my shit though. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of kidding. Um, but no, you know, I, um, I, I do expect, I expect my readers to read my shit. And when I put something out that isn't in a fandom that you like, I would like you to give it a shot. But I am not going to get mad if you just, I can't care. I can't believe you wrote Criminal Minds. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll put that on my husband's list of things to do. <laughs> Moving on. And I'm going to say, I say this, I have never in my life read an author where I liked everything that they had ever written. And that's not pointed at Kira. It's just, now it's I'm thinking, what did I write that she didn't like? <laughs> um, I got so much like that I don't like. But there's, there's, I mean, I know that there are probably are some people out there who they have authors they like everything they've ever written. I'm just not one of those people. I'm, I admit it. I'm really fussy. 
But I do have favorite authors, but even in my authors who have absolute favorites, there are stories or pairings or tropes that they explore. And it has nothing to do with their writing with my favorite authors. It could be a trope. It could be a pairing I don't like. Um, whatever. There's something that I just like, yeah, but I can't get past it. <laughs> I thought, and I always give it a try. I always, unless I do have some hard, there's one author who's a favorite author of mine. And um, she has, uh, she writes a pairing that is a hard no for me. It is, it is, it is like one of the few, like I have, I have some hard lines in fandom and that's one of them is this pairing that she writes. Uh, that line, Mary? that line is not a, it, it's not a line. No, actually, no, it, it is not a line in the sand. It's a fucking chasm. And I'm like, I can't get past it. <laughs> I have to know what no. your OTP, your no TP is. What's your no? It would be really, it's, if I reveal it, that would be really pointed. Really? Yeah, I'll say it in the chat room. I'll say it, in, it, it is. I'll say it in the chat room. Okay. I don't even, I'm not in that fandom and I'm kind of grossed out. Right? Uh, it, it is, like I said, it is, it is, it is so, it is so, because I used to be big in, 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 I used to read a ton in that fandom. And, and that pairing couldn't be any further entrenched in my note file. Um, no. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if Kira decided to read, read that pairing, um, write me write that pairing. I wouldn't touch it with a 10 Don't worry, I won't. I know you I won't. won't. I promise. Uh, I just, I can't do it. So there, you know, there are writers that I love. And like, there, there are writers that I, I, I really enjoy their writing who I can't read any of their MCU stuff because they're really big Thor Loki shippers and it just freaks me out. Oh, <laughs> come um, on now. Thor loves his brother, not- his crazy psycho brother. <laughs> There's a cartoon so, uh, comic I saw on um, uh, Facebook where the Avengers are going to go back in time and, you know, save people. And um, and they keep listing people and throw back and Loki and they'll be like, hmm. <laughs> and then they'll go to the next panel and listen to more people. And Loki, <laughs> it gets get louder and louder. <laughs> the words keep getting bigger and bigger. And Loki, like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> and Loki. <laughs> but, um... But, there's just yeah. there's I have to admit pairings more than tropes are can be a hard turn off for me, um, but there are a couple tropes I'm just not big into. But I'll still usually with a trope I'll give it a try, but sometimes I just go I can't deal. Um, I accepted when really I really want the trope. You did what? Did you with a trope? You 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 thought you didn't like time travel. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> I used to hate it. She just—it was right there with right there with amnesia stories. Um, but you know, I mean, so I will always—I'm I'm more flexible about. But when a pairing totally turns me off, especially if it kind of almost gets my gag reflex going, um, it, it, I, I'm not even going to try. I don't care who, who who writes it. They they could be my most favorite author ever. And if they wrote that pairing, I'd be like, oh, okay, good on you. You do you. No judgment, dude, but maybe judgment. <laughs> All the judgment. Maybe quiet judgment. All of not... the judgment. You'd be up in the chat room. You will not believe what I just fucking saw. <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's true. I'd go to the bitches and I'd be like, can you believe that so-and-so is writing this pairing and she lost her mind? 
It'd be we about like that, intervention? Too. Is it a cry for help? Do we need to call 911? <laughs> Is what she being she trapped been in reading? her house and been, <laughs> being forced to write for some crazed fan? <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> if you ever see Snary on my website, it's because some, some jackass broke into my site, uh, broke into my house, and is making me write Snary misery style. <laughs> you need to come rescue my ass. <laughs> So, you know, it's just <sighs> the people can get really bent when you don't like what they like, which is bizarre. Um, it boils down, like I said, the validation. They they want you to say it's okay um, that they like to read incest fic. Go get in the other corner. <laughs> You're not to start decorating that corner. <laughs> you might as well just put your name on it. And even to write Snape serious, I have to do a whole lot of rewriting on his character. I have to, like, rebuild his character. Um, and just because, no. Because the first thing you have to do to make Snape a good guy is get rid of his obsession with Lily Potter. Because it yeah. is the root of his disgustingness. It is, you know, I don't... I... I could, I could write, I could, I think I could write Snape series. I just, I just don't want to. It hasn't come up. Um, but yeah, you'd have to kind of just, just to write him the way I did in April. I had to kind of, you know, re-spin everything. Um, the first thing you do is make him gay, which makes his love for her sisterly. <laughs> yes. Which is appropriate. Instead of giving him nice guy syndrome. So if he isn't a nice guy. So if somebody doesn't like something that you like and it makes you feel spooky, you're feeling judged, it makes you feel bad or whatever, you know, for the for the most part, I would say you just need to analyze why why you're feeling that way because it doesn't really have anything to do with them. You know, if and especially when it comes to fandom and fic, I think people get really sensitive, and I don't really understand why it's so much worse. Because I can, there are people I can tell that I didn't like a movie that they enjoyed, and they get over it. But if I don't like a fic that they enjoyed or pairing that they enjoy, they lose their mind. I'm like, why? I don't get that either. So, why are you so bent about the fact that I don't like your 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 ship, but I don't like your this trope that you like that I don't whatever it is that I don't like this fandom. From a reader perspective, Lady Holder writes in a fandom that I have never even watched the movie, and um, she doesn't get bit at me. And she's my bestest friend. <laughs> she's not trying to make and you watch the movie. What's worse is the movie's actually free on Netflix. I could watch it. I just haven't. <laughs> she just doesn't want to. She doesn't get all pissy with me over it, or if she does. She keeps it to herself. Um, which is what you should do if you get pissy <laughs> about something like that. Um, and I write Harry Hermione. And the fact of the matter is is that Lady Holder is um, a diehard Draco Harry shipper. Um, that is that is definitely her OTP in, in Harry Potter. And my OTP is honestly Harry Hermione. 
<laughs> so, you know, if our friendship can survive that <laughs> Perry War, I think that you guys should just stop fussing at your friends for not watch, not liking the same shit you like. Yeah. And if the shit you like now, is... If, if she I was a hairy Jenny Skipper, I'd probably have to dump her. Uh, you might survive that. I don't think you'd survive her being a hairy Snape <laughs> No, no. I'd be like, I'm coming to your house, bitch, because you need an intervention. I'm taking away all your rum. <laughs> all of it. But if, if, <laughs> if somebody just doesn't like your pairing, and your pairing is consensual, and it doesn't have abuse or whatever, just let it go. But if you're if you're bent over the fact that your par- your 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 friend doesn't like you know a, a pairing that's got incest or underage or some other big ethical conflict, and you're bent about and you're and you're feeling judged, well, I think you're judging yourself. Is what it is. You feel some level of shame over this kind of thing, whatever it is. Especially if you're really into like Chan or something like that. But there's a level of shame there, and you're trying to bring someone else in to give you validation and acceptance. Um, really, just don't. Just don't. I mean, that's just gross. And here, here's something also, and this is true. If you do read that kind of stuff and you reveal it to somebody who doesn't, yes, they're judging you. Yeah. They are. Keep it to yourself. I there, there are a lot of things people read that kind of sometimes like my eyebrows go up. It's like, really, that's what you're into, huh? And it's more, it's more. I'm I'm kind of it, sometimes surprised, you know, or whatever. Um, but it, it's not like it, I'm not I'm not judging them for whatever kink they like to read or whatever small fandom they're really into or whatever quirky pairing really does it for them. If they wrote me and said Rodney Kavanaugh was their, their main ship, I'd be like, well, you must have a hard time finding fic. <laughs> you know, oh, bless that, your heart. I, but I, I, I might be surprised. I might be wondering what they see in that. But I'm not like sitting there just. I don't. I don't have the energy to judge all that shit. But if they write me and tell me that it's, you know, their big ship is you know 13 year old Harry with Sirius, I'm I'm judging the fuck out of that for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. There's just so much wrong with that game. So, did you ever go to therapy for your daddy issues or what? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) But I I do get that people online can be abusive twats about stuff that they don't like. Like, people, um, the Tony Ziva shippers are very defensive of their ships. Because basically why? For the fandom yeah, they, the rest of the fandom fucking hates them. So, I mean, it's I can see if I look at it objectively, I can see why they would be defensive because they get a lot of abuse. Now, mind you, they spread a lot of abuse, but they do get a lot of abuse. 
for, I mean, how many challenges do they go into or they want to participate in where the artists have a hard limit and a bang about they won't do, you know, Tony Ziva art or, um, you know, I mean, that comes up over and over and over and over again for, for people. And really? that's your big ship. Oh, yeah. Artists be like, no, I'll do you know, any or anything is fine, but I won't do Tony Ziva. Or the, they'll put on their reverse bang stories, any pairing is fine except for Tony Ziva. Um, so if if that's your ship, you, you get a lot of doors slammed in your face. And um, see, they'd be defensive on, on the on the jump. And if you're involved, and particularly the bigger the fandom group is, um, the more you know abuse will get hurled at, hurl, hurled at you for doing you know liking something that's unpopular or whatever. And maybe you start to get a little defensive about the things you like. But if everything's consensual, um, and everybody's about, and everybody's of age, you just just relax about the fact that your friends don't like what you like. It's okay. I mean, that's where all those rules about no ship shaming and no kink shaming and all that kind of stuff came from. But then people started slipping really questionable stuff into those rules. Like, well, you can't kink shame me for liking people having sex with eight-year-olds. I'm like, oh, yes, I can. Yes, I that's can. That's not a kink. Because that's not that's a, a fucking crime. kink. It's and a, a mental crime. disorder. Watch me. You know, I'm not going to judge you for, you know, I, I, I might think, well, I, I, I'm not going to care if, if what you're really into is like, you know, two-handed fisting. If that's your, if that's the thing you want to read about, that's your kink. Well, you're more likely to find it on Pornhub. I'm just telling you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just whatever. But I mean, there's there's a difference between kinks and and perversions. Let's be real. Let's be real. Crimes and perversions. And you know, fandom just got to this point of like, oh, well, we have to be tolerant of everything. Uh, excuse no, me, since when? No. I don't want to be tolerant of your crap. So. I can get. But people I, can get a defensiveness building up. But you need to see that when you're when you're with your peeps. We're with your friends. You need to let it go. And if and if you don't know Kira or you don't know me or you don't know Lady Holder or whatever, the fact that we don't like what you like should mean nothing to you. Nothing. It should mean absolutely nothing to you that Kira does not like the stories that you that you like. It, you're not trying to find common ground of a conversation. Just let it go. No, Lady Holder, you can so be just, as intolerant as you want. Just follow the thumper rule. What's what's Azure's? I don't think I don't want to know. I, I take that back. I take the back to the first part of that question. I have missed that information somehow in the course of um, time, and I do not want to know. Yes, that is it. I'm just you're in the corner. I'm I'm actually holding up my hand to the screen. The evilness that I'm exposed to. I can't even. 
I don't even have chocolate right now. I was anyway. in a bad ship that I would read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm Anything. like, okay. that's not happening in your case here at all, actually. I admit, I think everybody who's, who's, who's in fandom, who's been in fandom for more than a minute, has read some really questionable stuff. Um, I read some extra questionable that I wasn't aware of what it was until I was already in it. I, this is what happens when you don't read warnings. And as soon as I realized what was about to happen, I turned it off, but it was too late. I'd done been in the sense. Uh-oh. Sometimes you just have that moment where you miss a warning or something, and you're like, oh. That's why when the warnings are buried in 200 tags, it really pisses me off. Oh, I warned. Right? Oh, right? did you? Where, where in that sea was the warning for this? Ugh. Because I would never have willingly um, clicked on that link if I had known what was going to be in it. And then there are times when I'm reading something questionable and I just can't stop. It's like, why am I reading this? <laughs> just so wrong. This is so. I I was reading something questionable fairly recently, and I just needed to know <laughs> recently. I just needed to know how it ended, and it got it got. This is a case where an author not thinking through their decisions, and, and it was it was a characterization. It was a character or from the from the beginning. It was a characterization issue. I was like, if he overshares one more time, I'm gonna I'm gonna nope out of this fic. And he overshared again, and I didn't nope out. Kept going overshare, overshare, overshare. I'm like, oh, you know, because the thing is, I'm just one of those people that I'd be sitting there if somebody was oversharing for like you know hours with me, that I would just be trying to. I'd be hoping like there's a crisis about to happen that I don't know that I would suddenly become a surgeon who needed to be at the hospital right this minute. I mean, anything to get me out of somebody dumping, doing a, a dump of you know their entire life history on me. Um, and when people write oversharing, it actually makes me physically uncomfortable. But I could not stop reading for some reason. I, it was like a train wreck. And then I get to towards the end, and all these weird concepts were being introduced, and it was so ugly that this is like ramifications not being considered. But I didn't stop. I kept going. <laughs> it got uglier and uglier and uglier, and I didn't stop. I'm like, why can't I stop? And I get to the end. I, I was mad. I was I was mad for at least 24 hours over that story. <laughs> this is like what and happens I when stopped. you have OCD. Yeah. I made myself angry for for a day over something that I knew from the first thousand words I shouldn't be reading. <laughs> I guess I just wanted to be pissed off. I do think the unlimited tag thing over at AO3 is detrimental. Yeah. That's just me personally. And there's this there's this trend that I'm seeing more and more and more and more and more <coughs> pardon me of unrelated one shots being put into a single story as opposed to a series of stories. And so like each chapter in the story is its own story and I've seen I'm not trying to pick at anybody, but I've seen hundreds of these now where I'll see unconnected one shots, right? As, and 
the problem is, especially if there's a lot of pairings and a lot of fandoms in those unconnected one shots, is the tag list is huge by necessity. Just disclosing the fandoms and the pairings and the characters is 50 or 60 or 70 tags long. And then you start putting in minimal content tags for those stories. And it's like, why do you think you think this is a good idea? It's I'm not a good idea. Stop that. I've actually, I stopped refusing. I've, when I see that unconnected one-shot thing, I, I'm, I almost nope out just from the jump because I just, if they're unconnected, put them in different stories for fuck's sake. How am I supposed because to make track it, of what warning goes with which thing? Yeah, exactly. Because the tags are unbearable. And figuring out what you want to read in that series of unconnected one-shots, I just don't. I, just don't. I don't think so. And don't. If somebody out there knows of a great NCIS story or an MCU story or something buried or Teen Wolf buried in an un- a story that's got unconnected one shot, please do not send it to me because it's just going to annoy me. This is a mental health choice, you know, that when you're relying on tags to impart critical information so that readers know what they want to read, they can do what they want. They're the author. This is my choice as a reader to protect my sanity and not wind up reading something that Listen. I find ugly. Because, like, I... The, one, Harry one Potter of the first times I, Right. One of the first times I encountered one of these unconnected one-shot stories, somebody recommended one of the one-shots, and it's usually not the whole series people are recommending. They're recommending one, of the, one or two of the stories in there for you to read. And I go to read it, and they're telling me how great this story is. It's a rare pairing. And I go to read it, and I, I was like, oh, um, like the slavery warning would have been good on that. I mean, the character was basically sold into slavery in that story. So, oh, but it's not real slavery. Oh, okay. What? Okay. What? <laughs> it's not real slavery. When you sell a person to pay somebody else's debt, uh, and, and somehow that sticks in the story as being, it doesn't matter if the two parties pretend like, I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> no. We don't sell people. It, it's called human trafficking, and it's not okay. And was there a human trafficking tag? No. And you know, um, and then she, you know, and she, when I talked to the person who recommended this, I'm like, "What are you doing? Why would you recommend that to me?" I, I, I find human trafficking really detestable. She said, "Well, they didn't actually have sex until until they were both in love uh, with each other." I'm like, "This is this is so what?" There's no, uh, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, eh, I become inarticulate with a wet noodle. Just, yes. <laughs> and there was no, nothing in the tags about that content. And I think that the author had to think that, that the human trafficking angle thing, that the selling people thing wasn't a big deal because the sex was ultimately consensual. So it didn't need any warnings in their mind. When one but person again, owns about- another person, there's no such thing as legally owns another person. There's no such thing as consensual sex between them. It wasn't legal ownership. It was like I said, that's why, that's why it was more like human trafficking angle than true slavery angle because the person was sold. And of course it would have been illegal leave? if it had come to light. Huh? They leave? Um, eventually, they could, eventually they could have, not at first. Mm-hmm. But they were in love by then, so why would they want to leave? In love? You, you are not you on board with my air quotes. You're not seeing my air quotes. <laughs> I so, heard your air quotes. I heard your air quotes. Same page, same but, paragraph. 
I'm see. I, I'm sure the author thought that they were getting around this really ugly angle by with all these other things they had put in to in their mind mitigate the rape aspect of this whole thing, and so they didn't tag or warn for any of it. The thing is, if they had tagged and warned for any of it, where am I going to find that in the sea of 200 tags that applies to one story out of a hundred? Let's say, maybe it's like 70. I don't know. Yeah, I agree, Elliot. It's Stockholm. Um, but it, and so actually it was because of that, I kind of like, what is this? It was my first exposure to this trend that, that of unconnected one shots. And I see authors see it and they think it's a good idea and then they go off and do it. And I've seen it in every fandom I read in, unfortunately. Um, and, and I really I hate it. I really don't like it. I don't click on any of it. I don't click on any of it because there's too many tags. People don't want appropriately anyway. And, again, it is a mental health decision because if I get triggered, um, I don't write. I don't eat. Spending hundreds of dollars in therapist's office. Um, the last time I had a major trigger, um, she, uh, mm-mm. Yeah, you just like, gotta hold it I was alive. <laughs> yeah, we don't and we don't want that, you know. So if you're somebody who's writing some connected one shots and you're feeling judged right now, I'm honestly not trying to judge your decision as a writer. I'm telling you why I'm not reading. This is just why I'm not reading your stuff. It is a completely mental health decision. And so anybody who writes that way or reads that way and likes it, you do you. It shouldn't bother you that I'm not reading your stuff or that Kira's not reading your stuff. It shouldn't bother you at all. And if it does, I don't know, have a sit down with yourself and think about why. Suck it up, sweetheart. Yes. I yeah I was I, I I went to a very bad place, um, and um, I didn't write I didn't um, it was I didn't answer my phone my mom had to come to my house and you know dig me out. So when people talk about being triggered as something frivolous and they make jokes about it, I want to punch them in their face. Right. Lady Holder is my gatekeeper as far as bad stuff goes. <laughs> so if there's something that out there that gets really popular, she's like, no. <laughs> but that's why if something um, is questionable on Rough Trade um, and you get a message from Lady Holder, um, you can be rest assured that it's actually basically coming from me and that I have asked her to do this on my behalf. Because if there's something questionable in your story, um, I I can't take that risk. Um, and I'm not saying I'm a delicate flower over here. I'm saying that uh, there was a time in my life where the subject that, tri- that, tr- that triggers me made me suicidal. And um, I uh, went so far as to end up in the hospital over an attempt. So I do not play when it comes to my trigger and I am very careful online. I'm very careful with my friendships. I'm um, so 
you know, this, this it isn't a joke. And when I see somebody joking about having a trigger or getting triggered, ha, 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 I want to punch them in the face. Because they it's don't not actually funny. know what it means to be triggered. No. I did, I did, you know, just, here, I'll have an overshare moment. I did my, I did a go-around with, many go-arounds with antidepressants in my life. Um, there are none that I am compatible with. I have, like, really weirdly sensitive brain chemistry that they would give me sub-therapeutic doses and go, this shouldn't work. And I would have side effects out the wazoo and have, like, flat affect. And um, so if I, if I get triggered in a bad way and wind up depressed, the medication that they would have to give me to treat me with, I would not write. No one would hear from me. It would not be the trigger that would actually vanish me from my social circle. It would be the medication they would be using to treat my depression because I don't respond well to them. And I have no personality on them. My affect gets really flat, and I have tried dozens. So I don't, and if anybody sends me a suggestion for an antidepressant, I will lose my shit. Unfortunately, I am a little delicate little flower when it comes to drug side effects. I don't respond well to huge, huge classes of medications. I don't respond well to them. And She's atypical. They have to get, I am atypical. So if, if I have to take them because of a pressing and urgent need, like severe depression, yes, she does. Um, I'm going to secure it for that matter. Um, but, yeah, so do I. Um, if um Gilly, come so, out <laughs> <laughs> So if I should get triggered in a way that set me into a depression, that would be it. For the duration of time that I had to be medicated, that'd be it. No one would hear from me, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I have experience, but take it lightly when I make decisions about what I'm gonna read for my mental health because I can see something on T V that will trigger me less severely than reading it. So, um, I don't know why that is the way that so, is, but I just process, it's the way I process words. So, someone asked me once um, how I can read J.D. Robb when I have um, this trigger. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that I trust Nora Roberts. And I knew going into that book there were going to be issues. Um, and, my trigger is not specific to the actual event. It's to the handling of the event um, and how it's uh, treated by other characters. And you have to trust an author in those circumstances. And I trust Nora Roberts to, um, to never set out to abuse her characters or her writers for, or, or her readers for um, uh, titillation or shock value. Yeah. yeah. And there and there is a difference. And um so but yeah, you know. One of the problems I have um with um many stories and fandoms is um the abuse of favored characters. And I say that knowing that I I that I bash the hell out of um Ron Weasley, but I'm talking about the outright physical traumatic abuse of of characters um and i'm like womp yeah yeah it's um you know and they don't under and this goes like the ramifications um they that that recovery is quick and over and, and everybody's fine no that's not how that works 
That's never how that works. And so I hate to see it glossed over and treated like a non-issue. It is not a non-issue. It will never be a non-issue. Well, the the one thing that they do, because bashing a character, if I, if somebody says like bashing of such and such character, I'm not going to read stories where my unicorn is bashed. But no, you know, if, it's, if it's a character I don't like, it doesn't bother me. But when you take the, the protagonist in the story, so I'm going to read a story say about Tony, and he's the protagonist, and he's who the story is about, and he's being tortured, and you know, all these horrible things after horrible thing after horrible thing are happening to him, and and it is that one thing where he's just treated horribly, whether it's emotionally or physically, usually both. Um, it gets to be overwhelming. It gets to be really overwhelming. And sometimes there's, and then sometimes it devolves into tears and, you know, we, we know how I feel about that. But, um, I mean, you're going to have to work for it. And wump is not the way to work for tears. The only thing uh, I hate worse than seeing my favorite character is abused is to see one of my favorite characters turned into an abuser. That is worse, I would agree. Like when Harry starts, um, when when Harry basically becomes worse than Voldemort in his actions. Like, why would I want to read that? When when Tony in, in the course of standing up for himself becomes such an asshole that I... I can't tolerate reading him. I don't, why would I want to? That's not how you stand up for yourself. <laughs> so be careful when you're having your character take revenge. And I say this having written a, a fic where I had to keep a murder list, um, that you keep your character in a semi-righteous place um, and that, their actions have justifications. Otherwise, you're you're turning your character into um, an abuser, and it it always stuns me when I see somebody saying, "Oh, I love this character so much. Let me come write him as a rapist or a pedophile." Love that character. <laughs> if you make your character a pedophile, you don't love them. <laughs> That's not love. Yeah, if your favorite character is Snape and what you write is him banging 14-year-olds Marini, I don't understand what it is that you're trying to do. You know, that's just crazy. But moreover, I don't want to understand. How could that be? How could that be your expression of your favorite character? I don't get it, and I don't want to. <laughs> but sometimes you can do these things by accident. You can go too far um, in your your story, and and suddenly your character is no longer a hero. Um, they're just as bad as the person that they're standing up against. Um, or worse, because they should know better. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I can see how it happens by accident. Like you, you get caught up in, in writing your character, kind of standing up for themselves or getting a little bit of revenge or whatever. Um, and all of a sudden you've written a major asshole. And it can be hard to walk that back. 
but this is another case of thinking through the repercussions of what you've done. You know, what, what are you saying about them? That they would do this. They would behave in that way. And, you know, I talked about it before, struggling with that scene where um, John disciplines that female dom and um, into ties that bind and how I struggled writing it because of the male-female dynamic, um, which is like really less of a factor in ties that bind than it is anywhere else than anything else I've ever written, that gender is a, a, a lower secondary. <laughs> it's about two doms, not about a man and a woman. Um, but it was very difficult to write John in those circumstances. And eventually I had to write Summers as a man and then go back and change it after I wrote it and changed the pronouns. Because it was so difficult for me to get, for, and he didn't even hurt her. But it was really difficult for me to put John in a position where he was that physically um, rough with a woman. So I struggled with that for a while, and I still struggle to read it. And I'm like, mm, God. And I sometimes regret that scene. I'm like, I'm not sure if that was. I don't know. It just, it really, it really bothers me. I think that I think you can write a character who. I agree with you about this in the male female I mean, I've I've had that struggle in a couple of stories where, I'm like, I, I'm having a hard time with. A, character, a male character getting physically getting aggressive with a female character, um, even if it, I feel like the scene completely warrants it, and it's it's difficult to get around. But you can, if you want to write a character who has had a, a colored past or a checkered past, like I don't care which one it could have Snape, it could be, um, I don't know. Pick your your antihero, okay? Because the only people who who, who screwed up. If you're writing a story where they have this negative thing in the past or things that they've done that they're not proud of or whatever, and they're moving on with their life, um, the thing I feel like where people get into trouble is that, A, they make the events, these, these things these people have done in the past, unforgivable. B, that they're trying to have them move on with their life with the people that they've been bad to in the story. Like, if you really wanted to, you know write a character um, who's regretting their past mistakes or whatever, get them out of the circumstances with the people that they've hurt because that just feels abusive to the people that I've read stories like that where forgiveness is trying to be forced, where you've got a character who regrets what they've done and, you know, and then the character who doesn't want to forgive them comes off like an asshole for not forgiving them for the things they've done. I think it just would be easier just to, put them in a different circumstance where they're moving on and trying to be a good person and not inflicting themselves on the people they've hurt. That said, don't make their past bad act be rape because I just can't get past that. No. So the fact of the matter is, is that um, rape isn't about sex and it shouldn't be treated that way. And if you brush it off as a one-time thing that, um, that, oh, he'll never do that again, you're you're making it a sex thing, and it's not a sex thing. Rape is a kind of dominance, and that kind of personality trait, that kind of 
it, it doesn't go away. Once a rapist, always a rapist. I, I read a story, I read a story once, it was a long time ago, where a character who was kind of, it was at the point in the story that it was written, a point in canon that it was written, it wasn't real clear what this character's deal was. Um, but you, the story starts, and this character has decided they didn't want to be what they were in canon, right? So they've gone on, and, and they meet somebody, and they're, they're falling in love. It's a character from a different show. It's a crossover. And they're living somewhere else, and this person's just got this weight holding them down. And um, they get in this relationship because they're in love. They're really happy with each other. And you're like, well, whatever he did, he's rebuilding his life. And then the reveal is the reveal about he finally confesses about his bad, bad past acts was that there had been this guy, this guy from Canon, you know, the Canon, his Canon um, settings that he divorced himself from, that he'd gotten fixated on and had kidnapped, drugged and kidnapped and raped him while he was unconscious um, because he was so fixated what? on him. And so his lover decides, and so I'm just sitting there stunned that this is the reveal of what this guy did. And apparently he was so shocked by his bad actions that he knew he needed to get away from. But that was his impetus. His, him raping this guy he was obsessed with. Was oh, so he wasn't like him. in prison. Okay, okay. No, okay. no, he didn't, no. He kidnapped a cop that he was obsessed with and raped him. So, although he didn't call it rape, of course. He called because the guy was, unconscious. He just called it had sex with him while he was unconscious. But the thing was, I mean, so this is the reveal, and I'm just, like, sitting there stunned that this is how this author redeem this character. And this person he's in love with forgives him and goes, that's okay. No, it's not. Really? Is it okay? So now you've ruined two characters. Now you've ruined two characters. I can't even. Okay. I, I don't even. It's, it's not okay. And then, and where I finally stopped reading because I couldn't bear it was the lover was like, "We need to go back to the place you you're from. You're, you know, the city where you used to live where this happened, and you need to apologize to him." And I was like, "That's it. I, I, I can't." And that was the plan at the point that I stopped reading the story, was that they were going to go back to the city that he lived in where this thing happened and find this character that he had kidnapped and apologize and apparently turn over the videotape that he had kept of the event. Uh, what? What? When you... <laughs> Way to bury the lead, <laughs> Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like... Well, and my mouth is hanging open, and I was like, I can't. I, I, I what? <laughs> I, and the story was tagged for happily ever after, right? And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I, was, no. I don't understand. I was, I was so bewildered, and I was like, okay, I was thinking they'd murdered somebody in a good cause, and I'm like, what is this bad thing that they've done that they feel guilty over? And like I said, I was figuring it was like. They'd murdered to protect somebody, something that was bad they could have gone to jail for, but the people would understand because it was actually just or something like that. Not that. Not that. I was like, how could this be? Oh, my God. 
so the way to don't don't do that. So the the moral of this wretched story is to be careful with your characters and and don't turn them into monsters. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to think about it. If they've done something bad, and everybody in the course of their life is, is probably going to do something they're ashamed of. But if somebody has done something that they thought they need to be redeemed for or whatever, make it something that the audience can get on board with them having a redemption, a successful redemption. You, you can't get the audience on board for that. At least not an audience that I'd want to entertain. Well, that's true. Yeah. I don't even know. It's this again. You think that this is just about the guy who said the bad thing, but it isn't. It also now becomes about the person who condoned it. Right, because this this other character from another show, another beloved character, the most popular character from this other show, um, now it's condoning this bad act, and, and it, maybe the author didn't implicitly state that, but that's the, that's the obvious consequence. This is driving me nuts. Go over to our private chat and tell me the characters. <laughs> okay. Um, but it. Uh, it does. If if see, because not only like it also depends on who knew about this crime in the city where he came from, and let him get away with it. Who else knew? No one. No one knew it had happened. Not even the guy that got kidnapped. No, he didn't know either. He didn't know who did it. He did. Apparently, he didn't know. Oh, can't have sex with one of them is unconscious, and the other one that was unconscious not know that he was penetrated. Penetration comes with some physical discomfort, even if it's not outright pain. Um, you, there's no single way that the dude that got kidnapped didn't know he'd been violated. Unless his ass was the Grand Canyon. Oh. Did I go too far? <laughs> no, I can't figure out how to get out of this now. How do I get back? I'm going to have to reload chat. I can't figure out how to get back. I am so mad. <laughs> right? I guess unless the rapist was the bottom. No, no, no. No. Okay. Okay. Wow. 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 That reminds me of that time Asher told me all about that um, story she read on the pit about the two the two young men having sex and one putting his dick in the other one's dick. <laughs> this is an author who has never watched any sort of porn. That's not how that works. <laughs> because I mean, this That's is a case of where I would that works. 
I was intrigued by the character that was supposedly being redeemed in a redemption setting. And they're off in another city, and it's a crossover with a different fandom. And I was like, well, how is this going to work? You know, I was intrigued because, you know, uh, uh, and then I find out what he was being redeemed for. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) No. So, yeah. It reminds me of that scene in Criminal Minds. This is a canon event where Penelope and Morgan are at her apartment and she has a bit to drink. And she wakes up the next morning in bed and he comes out of the bathroom wrapped in a towel. Thank you very much, Criminal Minds. I appreciated the view. I did not appreciate what happened afterwards. Because there was a moment there where she was concerned about whether or not she would had sex with him. Which implied that she thought that Derek Morgan would, would have sex with her when she was so knocked down drunk she didn't even remember it. This is a decision that they made in writing where Penelope, someone who has known Derek for a very long time, is suspicious that he might have raped her. Not only that, but that she didn't have any physical feeling of the fact that she would have had sex. I know when I've had sex. I know it. I have never had penetrative sex where I did not feel it the next day. Not like not unable to walk, but like, ooh, nice sit down. <laughs> Be more careful with that. <laughs> and in some cases, peeing was a little uncomfortable. TMI, I know. But still. Well, you know, it, and sometimes for me, it's also like I've been actually, it's kind of like, I got to work on stretching because, ow. <laughs> right? I need, to be a little, I, need, so, I need to be a little bit more limber. It obviously was not the writer's intent. Because he didn't act insulted. They played it off. And um, it was fine. So that wasn't their intent. But that is the implication. That is the ramification of her assuming that he would have sex with her while she was so drunk that she blacked out. And the thing is, there's it could that her confusion in the morning could have been there and been just phrased differently, and it'd have been fine. You just twist it around, and she sees him and goes, "Usually, when there's somebody naked in her own mind, usually when there's somebody after us in my bedroom in the morning." Um, it's because we had sex the night before, but I know that didn't happen. So she's befuddled. She can be confused with the naked dude, half naked dude, and know she didn't have sex because of how her body feels or because she knows him or whatever. And so two things here. A man uh, wrote that. <laughs> two things here. A man wrote that. Uh, a woman wouldn't. A, a woman, can you see a woman writing that? Oh, definitely. That she wouldn't know I, whether I, or not she had sex or not? Yes, I see women writing crazy shenanigans about sex all the time, unfortunately. Oh, God. Um, I, I, none of the oh, women that God. I know would write that, but how many times have we had? Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, it was a little girl who wrote that story about the two dicks. On yeah okay, okay. or yeah. the you know or the or the two guys standing next to each other fucking the same person. <laughs> so so you wanted to try writing double penetration. You thought that's the way it worked. All right. 
That's not how um, that works for the record. It only works with tentacles, okay? I'm not opposed to tentacles. But, but I also but see women saying, I have had, now I do know that sometimes there are women who are, who just I don't ever have sex, so it doesn't occur to them. Who've never had sex your resource, it doesn't occur to them that this would be a problem. But that that you really feel it the next day. But there's also the element is I there are women I there are women I hear from that I know are married and I know they're having heterosexual sex and yet they act like it is the most horrible thing that they've ever had to read about. Um but could I see somebody who just really hates on het sex for some reason writing something that didn't make sense? Yeah. But presumably if somebody's writing Derek Penelope, they're not hating on het sex. I don't understand why um, heterosexual women don't like to read about heterosexual sex. Not somebody's preference in their reading material. Like, I whatever. But to hate on it the way they do? Like, and oh be, my God, they, they say gross. that it's gross, right? Gross. Yeah. Like, really? Really? It's gross? Okay. Aren't you married? Don't you have, like, sex with your husband? Is that how you feel about your, your own sex? Is sexually sex, your sex life is that it's gross? And that makes me sad. I hope Very. that's not how they feel. It does remind me of a movie I watched called Casual Sex. It had Leah Thompson in it, and her friend had never had an orgasm with a man. And they go to this spa retreat, and her friend hooks up with a guy. And later on, I don't know how it happened. Um, I forget how it happened. The, the two girls are in the bathroom having a you know a conference, and the other girl admits that she finally had an orgasm. And Leah Thompson character goes, "Oh, that's so sweet. Did he have one too?" <laughs> But you so yeah that it just kind of popped into my head when um, you were talking about them not enjoying sex. Um, what is that? I don't I don't know. Actually, I have a theory, but I won't talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it, it's just too much. It's just too much. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to horrify anybody else with embarrassment again. That's saying something. Actually, I'll get into it. Okay, so here's the thing. I remember when I was younger, people talked about, like, that there, that there was something about, and it was sort of like this cultural attitude, um, and it may have been regional, I don't know, but that going down on a woman was somehow disgusting, but going down on a man was not. And I see that. And elements, echoes of that in, in 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 fiction, which is like that. There's a remarkable lack of cunnilingus in in sex scenes, and so there you isn't see in a my lot of oral sex. That's true, not in yours. Um, if there's, there's a pussy in my fic, it's getting eaten. <laughs> there's a there's a lot more of 
variety and diversity in the same story by the same author when there's two men in the bed. But so often when it's a man and a woman, the sex is boringly written. Uh, And a lot of it is because of the lack of um, variety. There's There's no oral sex. Or it's glossed over in a way that blowjobs are not. And I actually find it really irritating. Um, And I feel like it's this subtle attitude, oh, that's gross. And the thing is, I flat out see people saying that, that the reason why they didn't want to read this story because all the gross oral sex scenes. And it's like, and these are women saying this. I'm like, why do you people think this is gross? Has no one ever gone down on you? Well, yeah, but I don't want to read about it. What? And I think that there's that's my favorite thing to read about. Just to be saying, just get in there. I think just there's this pervasive, (laughs) um, kind of lingering attitude amongst a lot of women that there's something shameful or awful about a guy going down on them. That it is somehow more of an act that it you know that it's just more effort or something or whatever then you know where giving a blowjob is just you know it's just a throwaway but going down on somebody is really that's really an event kind of thing which is ridiculous because quite frankly um from an it is a lot more intrusive quite frankly to have somebody ramming at the back of your throat than to lick somebody's clit, okay? Just saying, right? Right. It's really not. Com- it's really not comparable on the effort scale. So, you know, I think that there just is this pervasive attitude that amongst women about about oral sex, and so they get really touchy when it's there. And without it, when you don't have that that one, the the variety, and I mean, there's something about you know. We read a really good sex scene. There's a lot of mouth action going on all over the body. And when you skip the cunt, it's just like, what's going on? It, it feels flat. It's like, how can you skip Wonderland? What are you doing? Right, right. Get in there. But, you know, and then when it is there, I see women remarking about how gross it was, and I just had to skip the sex scenes. And it's like, those sex scenes were hot. What's the matter with you? But, you know, whatever. People can have their preference. But if you're a woman and and you feel this way, I, I, I would just caution you to think about it. Because you're, you're feeling negatively about your own body. And that just doesn't, that's just not, that doesn't serve you. I'm having another movie moment. You guys ever watched Fried Green Tomatoes? Where Evelyn yeah. goes to that body positive um, women's group and they all have the mirror. And they're looking at their at their junk. Mm-hmm. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I, do you have any women I know who don't know what their down there, as they would put it, looks like? Look, you need, actually, from a health perspective, you need to know what your junk looks like. So if something goes wrong, you'll know what's wrong. So know what your stuff looks like. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's astonishing to women who 
you know, who are open about their, with their friends or who have positive body image or positive relationship with their, with sex, this kind of thing is bewildering, but it isn't uncommon. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon. It, it may not be in your social circle, but if you just, any big group of women out there, there's going to be a huge percentage of them who do not have um, a, a, positive outlook on their own sexuality in a way that's not shameful. Um, and a disturbing number of them would say that going down a woman is gross, which oh, like, okay. They're also the same women who, who keep the douche industry going. That is so unhealthy. Please don't do that to yourself. The only time you should douche is when your doctor tells you and she gives you a prescription and you got an issue. And that's it. And even yeah. that is super rare. Super, yeah. super, super rare. Because it's not good for you. It's not good for your stuff. You're not supposed to smell like flowers, ladies. Your vagina, like your stomach, has a um, has an environment um, made up of uh, good bacteria and bad bacteria. You create a balance. So if when you douche, you actually wash out bad bacteria, but you also wash out good bacteria, bacteria that keeps you healthy. And you'll end up smelling like flowers, but you will also be more likely to have a yeast infection. Mm-hmm. Leave your hoo-ha alone. It's self-regulating. And really, honestly, there's a point when you should definitely um, be careful about sitting in a tub. I know bath bombs are really popular right now, but some ladies can't handle it. Well, and also, um, if we're going to get all up in the ladies' junk, for ladies who are tending to down there, glycerin is not something you want in your getting too close to your vagina. Um, it can cause yeast infections. Now, the reason I mention this is because it used to be pretty much the only lube on the market had glycerin in it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. th- they fixed that issue with lube. What they haven't fixed, folks, is a lot of shaving creams. Most shaving creams, in fact, have quite a lot of glycerin in them. That's why they have such a nice slip on the skin. So if you shave your down there, look for glycerin-free shaving cream. Your hoo-ha will thank you. You know, while we're on this subject and internalized misogyny, you don't have to shave anywhere. That is a personal choice that you Word. make. And if, and if you've got a man that tells you you need to shave your cunt, get a new one. Because if he can't Especially take you like nature intended, I'm just saying. I'd be looking at how much he's taking off. Um, I, you know, if, if you, if he's wanting you to shave bears a baby's butt down there, you guys need to have a conversation. It's one thing to neaten up your bikini line if that makes you feel good. It's another thing entirely to take it all off because actually pubic hair serves a health function. Leave your, leave your genital microbiome alone. Yeah, that's what it's called, microbiome. Thank you. I was second forget what it, what it was. Um, but, yeah, all that serves a purpose. 
Now, I personally shave under my arms. I went through a period in college where I didn't. I was I had a rebellion. Uh, that's a personal choice. It's also a medical choice for me because I have um, um, a few issues because um, I have an autoimmune disease. And, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, you don't have to. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Unless you want to. Cut your hair. Shave your hair. Don't shave your hair. Put on makeup, don't put on makeup. Wear a dress, don't wear a dress. And if a man wants you to get your junk waxed, he has to get his junk waxed first. Absolutely, Ellie. Absolutely. I use an epilady on my leg, and my husband comes in once, and I was using it. And he says, does that hurt? I just stuck it to his leg. He screamed like a girl. Like a 12-year-old girl. Just screamed. <laughs> Just saying. You so should there. do what makes you. Yeah, I said you should do what makes yeah. you feel good about you. Um, epilepsies do hurt like fuck. I would never, ever, ever. I did one time. Mm, I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you hear the story. Mm. What time I was. I had tried, um, I was trying this epilady. I was going to try it on my legs. I actually find my legs are more sensitive than my arms are. I don't know what the deal with that is. People talk about, oh, the legs aren't very sensitive to wax. I'm like, bull fucking shit. Um, I would rather pretty much wax or shave my bikini area than my legs. It's just, it kills me. I can't deal. Um, so I decided I was going to try it on my arm first before, because we said, oh, it doesn't hurt. I was like, really? So I, <laughs> I had it on, uh-huh. and I was I. And I was trying it on my arm, and I was like, okay, if it hurts this bad on my arm, I, I just don't have to tolerate it on my leg. And and so I still had it on, and I was gesturing and kind of annoyed and gesturing and talking about this torture device and why we put this through this. And I got it too close to my face, and I took off, like, half my eyebrow. Um, oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm looking at it in snag. I, did, I think I got a couple eyelashes ripped out, but mostly it was eyebrow. Um yeah, it was sad. I had half a brow. I was half brow for like three months. Serial <laughs> killer. Serial killer. I'm telling you. Serial killer. Terrible. I can't, I don't do chemical. I, I won't do the chemical thing. If I'm, I, I'm okay with waxing in some areas. Except, I can't accept the legs. For legs, for me, it's all or nothing. It's, it's either shaving or nothing. And, and, and it's like the last decade, it's been nothing. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm not shaving my legs. Fuck that. I had a friend who used to use Nair in her nose. What? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she would she would do this thing where she, when she was, like, waxing, when she used Nair on her upper lip, she put a little bit right inside of her nose, and I was like, and then breathe through her mouth for the duration of time that it was like, are you fucking, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Um, crazy. Yeah. I get my eyebrows threaded. I much prefer it. I over tweezed and then, of course, epilated my eyebrows. And I was <laughs> to the point that I don't have that I don't have enough eyebrows now. They 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 rebelled because of the sheer trauma and said we're going to stop growing in. So I don't 
I don't do anything to my eyebrows and just hope that I don't lose any more of them than I've already lost. <laughs> like, poor eyebrows, there's nothing left. But, but they have, I saw it. One day I was looking at wax kits on, um, I have to admit, when I can handle it, at the wrong time of the month is the wrong time to get your underarms waxed. It's a time of the month thing. Sometimes it's fine, and sometimes it's the agonies of the damned. Um, if you're PMSing, do not get or on your period. Do not get your underarms waxed. But um, I, I used to wear underarms waxed um, like once a month, and I I loved it because it just took so much hassle out of my um, showering. But um, so I was looking at uh, home wax kits one day, and they actually developed this wax kit for the nose, where you, it's like this little round object this little round plastic thing that you put wax on and you stick it in your nose or if it's get hard and yank it out. And no. my eyes water just thinking about it, just thinking no. about ripping out all your nose hair. I was like, oh, my eyes just, it's like sympathy water because that would be agony. Why would anybody do that? Um, no. Let's see. Yeah, it's called, I even found it. Here, I'll put the link to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> put the link up. Because <laughs> why shouldn't? Oh, gross. I won't, I won't show the after picture. That's horrible. You see the little Take emblem. Too far. There we go. Copy image address. Come back here. Share it with the ladies. <laughs> What the hell kind of image address is that? <laughs> that's no that's no image address. I hate these new image addresses that are like, there we go. Oh my god. You see the little thing, and you put wax on the top thing, and you shove it up your nose, and rip. And and apparently there are after pictures of what that looks like when it comes out of your nose. I online. don't need. Great. No, we don't. Um, no, you we really don't, don't want to know. YouTube videos either, and I don't want to see a picture of an after. They call it nads. I, that, that is just it is it is that is doing the most. I, I am not no. See, this is another ramification because now it's in my head. I have pictured this. This is what happens when you have a terrible imagination. Yes. But, I mean, the first time I saw this, when I was brow- I saw this on Amazon, right? So I'm browsing through, um, and I was like, what is that thing? And my eyes watered just in sympathy. It was like somebody did that to themselves, and I'm so sorry they felt like they needed to. Are you oh. Okay. Whoever you are out there that, that tested this product, are you all right? <laughs> we need a warning. <laughs> we, yeah, Ellie wants to know if we should put a, 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 a wax. Are you, you mean like a warning on the podcast? Like nose wax Yeah, warning wax warning. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about some really uncomfortable stuff. You thought the butt sex conversation was too much. We can get much more uncomfortable. We're down to ninety seconds. Um, I, ha- you know, um, 
we didn't even talk about the things we were supposed to talk about with the with the bangs and stuff. We'll probably do that next week. Uh, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the writer's table last night. I really liked it. I thought it was a whole lot of fun. So I thought we could do another one next Saturday or this Saturday. This Saturday. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, that was fun. And uh, we'll try to do a podcast later in the week talking about our various challenges that are coming up. And I should be finishing my rough trade um, tonight before I go to bed. So, say so good night, cool. Jilly. Yay. Good night, everyone. <laughs>